are another week and another episode of Dead Men Roll No Crits. This is your Cap'em speaking, your old Barnacle Brennan, a.k.a. Patrick here. And joining me on a very special DMRNC is but a single crew member of the Tidebreaker. Join me in welcoming my good buddy Jabert back to the show. Hey, Jabert, how are you? Hey, Patrick. Great to be Whoa. here. Finally, glad to glad to be here uh, solo, just you and me. Finally. Uh, yeah, got you all to sure myself. <laughs> I got a feeling things are going to go really good tonight. Everyone else had their <laughs> one-off episode in, in book one of the AP. Some of them, we recorded those before we started playing together. Uh, originally, I, I was going to do yours in book one, I think, after... The Infernus was found on, on Bone Rack Island, or, or the, 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 the diary mm-hmm. in the, the ghoul's cabin. But mm-hmm. at that point, like, Cassius had just almost died, and then Eumelia, like, went into the caves. I just couldn't find a, a time to do it. Um, so, hey, this is long over two. <laughs> a little Cassius backstory episode. Um, but, yeah, before... Oh. Candoso backstory. Cassie, can, Candosio is backup story. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> oh, it's so late here while, while we're recording, but we're um we're going to get through this. Uh, yeah, Candoso's backstory is coming up here in this episode, listeners. But first, let's do a little bit of your burp backstory. Uh, unlike everyone else on the podcast, you and I are like 10 miles apart from one another. Like, we're really close and... In pre-quarantine times, uh, in addition to the podcasts, uh, we typically played many hours of TTRPGs together uh, in real space as well, mm-hmm. um, in addition to Cosmic Crate and this. So I guess the first question is, how are you not sick of me yet? <laughs> <laughs> we play well, a lot of yeah, games but- together every week. <laughs> we, we do play a lot it's of games many. together. Uh, uh, I mean... I think you are a great uh, player and a great GM, Ooh. so uh, it is hard to get sick of Double you. Double whammy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in addition to being just a great friend. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate um, sort of sort of like the different feel that all of our games have with one mm. another. I know we're going to talk um, later on in a thing that comes out in a probably a different episode. Mm-hmm. Um about well, your GM uh, playing, yeah, about playing IRL and sort of that campaign that we're running right now, um, and uh, that one has sort of a very classic um, fantasy feel to mm-hmm. it, which obviously feels very different from Starfinder, which um, feels entirely different from Pirates on the Seven Seas. Yes, and so and uh, and like and all the systems are are fun, and yeah, we 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 keep it interesting. Yeah, no, this last week. You and I played Pathfinder 1st Edition, Starfinder, and Pathfinder 2nd Edition three days in a row <laughs> <laughs> uh, while, while we're recording this. That's going to change shortly, but... Um, yeah, I've gotten to the point now where I'm just like, I mean, I'm, I'm GMing 1st Edition. I'm just like, but there's no there's no charge. Oh, oh no, this is that game. <laughs> oh, right. No, there's very much a charge. Oh, yes. boy. Um, <laughs> but before we... Uh, get into it as well. This is something we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast is uh, I've already GM'd Skull and Shackles in first edition before, and you were a player in that campaign. Um, yeah. We 
uh, didn't finish that campaign technically. We we only did uh, books one through five. Um, right. But yeah, why? What were you very excited to sign up for a second round of something you've you've already done? Yes, I was um, because Skull and Shackles is a lot of fun. There's like a lot of fun sort of um, you know exploration elements to it. Feels very sort of like open and explory while at the same time uh there there's 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 it's it, a little bit more guided than um than like another very explory pathfinder game that i've played that uh that felt way too open <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i was about to say um have you remembered things that have like happened do, do you have like a great memory for them because i'm, I'm trying to think back to the first time we played it and i gm'd it and i don't remember so many happenings or i don't remember how they went down in first edition yeah i there's a lot that i don't there's a lot that i do not remember mm. um but that said I, I do remember there are a lot of really memorable characters and fights um like obviously i remember the whale oh yeah <laughs> that was, yeah that, was, that one's hard to forget <laughs> uh uh the whale i remember well, yeah the, and but i think I remember the Sturge fight. The Sturges were really, those were really oh, yeah. pretty scary. And Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I, um, I don't know. I, I don't remember jamming as well in first edition as I did here in second edition. Because I don't, I don't even remember the, um, the underwater ghouls in, in the first edition whale fight. Um, I don't know if maybe I replaced them or I was like, oh, this is too much work. And <laughs> just threw more grindy lows in that chamber. But Anyway, um, that, that a lot of things will have changed just because GMing this in a different system and like mm-hmm. six or seven years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, different characters, like, like folks like folks like uh, Tessa Tessa Fairwind. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's super rad. Um, Ooh, we we'll get to her in this uh, campaign. One of the many amazing free captains uh, that's yeah. written about here. Um, You've technically only met one so far, but I think a few have been mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. She's actually written about in the second edition Legends book, oh, or the, the Lost Omens yeah. series. Um, I have that subscription, and so and I was like, when yeah, I think uh, she's on the when my cover daughter was one, the, right? Yeah, yeah, she's she's on the cover of it. Uh, when when my daughter was in the ICU, I like I would like I would like I'd hold her and I'd open up the, uh, the Lost Omens book and I'd just like read her the article of <laughs> <laughs> the story of Tessa Fairwind. <laughs> oh, the kid's off to a good and, start. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's she's learning about Tar Baffon and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hope she joins up with Last Wall and puts a puts an end to the evil there. Uh, mm-hmm. The conversion to second edition, I do feel like it's not necessarily a new story, but it is definitely a new adventure. <laughs> and yeah, very things much. are very different combat wise. Um Right. The um I was gonna ask how how easy is that to uh to port over? Is that is that pretty pretty, you know? Yeah, our, our, our Patreon subscribers can listen and read the show notes where I do have some spoiler for that episode of, like, the conversion process. And with something like the um, the giant eel and where where there's, like, a very uh, a severe danger that's a single creature uh, or the 
the water naga, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for example. <laughs> um, whenever those that, those fights that might have been up. the fight after which that might have been the fight where we like we stopped and we were like we should really make backup characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. But um that is yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. It's that fight is, I think in first edition, a little easier in some ways. Um and second edition just a little bit more difficult. It's it's a little hard to to describe, but some things They've ported over completely in the bestiary too. They added in the grindylos, so there's like a, a full conversion right. for them, and they, I think, work the exact same way. Which is you know like kind of like your level one zero challenge goblin kind of character. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, then some other things maybe kind of got up ch- changed a little bit in second edition. Mm-hmm. I think it just it depends on the the party composition, of course, and. And where mm-hmm. it, it takes place in the story and, and whatnot. Um, I think they did a great job um, in making enemies uh, scary but manageable um, as like sort of difficult encounters as individual enemies. Um, because boy, that water nugget was <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah, that was scary. But like, but as you say, in first edition, that is not one of the fights that I remember. Because it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, sort of uh, just like a, a four on mm-hmm. one or a five on one fight. And I think, yeah, in first edition, it was a CR six creature, and the the player characters were level four at that point, and mm-hmm. that difference feels more like uh, a CR seven or even an eight creature, depending on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And in second edition, so it's. It's a little bit more, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit more extreme. <laughs> um, anyway, a, a, a final question here before we start is: uh, Have you have you had a hard time keeping secrets uh, from from the other players? If you do know something, like a water naga is <laughs> about to come around the corner. <laughs> uh, I try to put it out of my head as much as I can, <laughs> and usually it's not too difficult because I don't remember like where things happened. <laughs> I just remember that things happened. So like, um, I was sort of vaguely aware that there was an underwater fight somewhere that was probably going to kill us somewhere <laughs> around bone rack isle <laughs> i remember it almost killing me in the previous <laughs> in my previous playthrough but so but i never really knew when that was going to be coming and uh so there's lots of things that are like that i mean so i guess i guess i could see the whale coming and i was like i was sort of like <laughs> oh, oh here we go. this next chamber <laughs> Uh, but but I didn't know where in the dungeon that was. So oh, I think I telegraphed that still, like oh, there's a boss in the next room because I'm like, oh, there's a terrible smell coming, and you hear uh, maybe. a scream coming from inside, and it's like, oh, this is we're kicking off in the main <laughs> gear here. <laughs> next time right. on the next episode, <laughs> it, it's not it's not too hard to to keep my secrets, mm. but uh, okay, occasionally I'll I'll hear one of them, you know, say something like, well. Maybe I'll just do this and I'll think, oh, yes, you should do that. <laughs> That'll be good content. I don't need to heal right now. Let's move on. And you're like, oh, no, always heal. Uh, all right. Well, then with all that said out of the way, let's get back into it. And let's let's talk about Candoso. Reintroduce the character to our to ourselves and our, our Patreon <laughs> subscribers with uh, digging into their backstory. Uh, this this episode starts off 
along the Grundy coast, the basalt cliff faces that overlook the sea and the wind blowing a, a western warm air, and the face of the cool sea breezes that come off the ocean, and a little further inland, there exists pockets of eddying air above the desert where the temperature uh, kind of cools off and where no storms touch. There exists in small crevices in the sand dunes and the mesa plateaus uh, flourishes of life in these perfect temperatures and in hidden forest biomes and, and copses and lagoons where all manner of creatures and plants thrive. Though some of them uh, are hidden from the outside world by potent magics. As here we see a young Candoso, definitely not a man, but not a boy for some time, opening his eyes flat on his back. You are looking up at the canopy of greens and beautiful color flowers and birds, the smell of floral perfumes and fruits fragrant in the air. But there's a, a pinching on your left arm, your right leg, and you look down and see your appendages wrapped in leaves set with long branches and palm fronds from some unknown injury. And to your side is a, uh, a brewing a pot of coffee, a rough, leathery-skinned, older, Ramadumi man. Um, his skin kind of showing off how many seasons he's spent out here in the sun. And his garb, that of a ascetic, a, a simple linen set of robes. He, uh, he says to you as he's offering you up a drink, he says, uh, The sea offered you as a gift, child, a broken and wilted, but your roots still strong and willing. Where, uh, <clears throat> where am I? You are safe. You are secure. Do you recognize me? Do you know me, boy? I'm going to assume I don't, so... Um, maybe you've, you've seen him before... Uh, as he is indeed, you know, introduce himself as such. The name is Kaliam Onaku. I was a friend and mentor of your brother. As he says that, you recall your, your older brother. And as soon as you begin to ask for him, there's a, a pang in your side as you, you feel some injury below the skin kind of uh, reeling you from the conscious world. You're transported back in time. Perhaps the last time you saw your brother on the deck of the sailing ship, the Bell Ringer. I'm looking out on the wide horizon before you, all blue skies except for the north, where the churning of the eye of Abendego uh, silently roils. Uh, we see here uh, at your side your brother Shaquim, uh, both of you traveling the aisles of the shackles, uh, helping him as he learns the ways of his order of druidic powers. He sees you here kind of looking out at the storm. Shakim says, uh, what is the matter, Kandoso? Are the waves here upsetting you? I, I remember what I told you to pretend the deck does not exist and you can feel the water beneath your feet. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's hard to look away mm. from so much power. If you can balance yourself with nature, when you are attuned to the world around you, you won't even need to learn to swim. You can walk along the surface of the water as if it were solid ground. Can you do that, brother? <laughs> that and a little bit more. Uh, would you like to show me how far you have advanced in your your studies? Are you ready for a sparring lesson? I'm ready. 
the, you guys have the top deck of this this quiet transport ship to yourselves. You watch as your brother kind of clears out a little bit of space here, and with a few magical hand gestures and the reciting of the the secret language of the godless shaman of the Ramadumi Desert, your brother brings forth energy that seems to kind of solidify in front of you in the shape of a, a small humanoid creature made out of water and seaweed on, on the deck of the ship. It kind of like starts bouncing around. Blah, 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 blah. He says, this thing will not kill you, but it doesn't pull its punches either. Get into your fighting stance. He'll throw you your spear. Um, to start this combat off, why don't you give me a knowledge nature, see if you can identify this, uh, this beastie. Alright. I've got a 12 on that. Um, so this is as low as a character as I can make it, and that will be enough to tell it is a <laughs> oh, fledgling water method, which is a, an elemental ah. that uh, is just made of like a gallon of water and is summoned uh, to be beat up by little brothers. <laughs> right, just just a, sort of a barely sentient bucket of water. <laughs> of of seaweed. Right. Ah, oh, yes. Let me roll for it here. Um, and it, it kind of gets the edge on you and comes forward and just starts... Uh, it feels like, you know, when you belly flop into a pool, just starts slapping you with water hands. Slap, slap. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure with your reduced armor here as a child uh it's it gets a good a good slapping yeah. uh for four points of of bludgeoning damage it's a going to town on you uh it's right next to you and it is your turn is there any attacks you want to do or any magics um i think i might uh show my brother what i'm made of and i cast guidance upon myself to give myself a plus one on an attack roll mm. and then i bring uh, the flat end, or the non-pointy end of my spear, uh, sort of down on top of this thing's head. Spear handle, go! Yeah, for a 16 to hit. Uh, that's a hit. Alright. For 5 points of damage. Okay. Psh, yeah. Splash! Believe it or not, that is enough to uh, uh, basically end this creature. Like, half of it is like on the deck now, and it kind of goes waddling back towards your, your brother, uh, looking to be healed up and he'll he'll just kind of like pet it out of existence and um yeah as, as you take take it down he says uh, that is a good job something like that in the wild is more than likely not in balance with the world around it when the the natural world takes those kinds of forms it is often trying to right a wrong or it's being used by magicians for nefarious needs but uh, if you handle the spear that well, then you need not worry about them. Yes, I will. I will set them back to their natural state. Yeah, like water on the deck. Haha. <laughs> uh, he'll give you some notes, some tips about you know, I guess lunging or something with uh, with the spear and and um, perhaps casting and keeping like a a good hand on the spears at the same time. Um, and as he does, uh, from the crow's nest, um, above you, there's a, a call out, as you see kind of black clouds starting to, to move your direction from the eye of Abendago. The sailor up in the, the rigging, uh, calls out at the same time, A challenge vessel gaining on us, Captain! Look! Look out! 
the sailors here on the bell ringer are a beehive of activity as they loose the sails and attempt to run away from this enemy vessel. Your brother will show you through a, a spyglass the sails on the horizon, and um, the captain starts taking a, a, a zigzagging western route for about an hour, but uh, you can tell that those sails are steadily getting larger and larger in the, the spyglass. Uh, the captain eventually uh, abandons his route and goes straight north, calling out and saying, All hands, prepare for stormy waters. We try to lose them in the eye. Your brother kind of like looks at you and, and steadies you as he runs up to the captain and says, uh, uh, Sir, I I have a connection with the storms here. Please, can, can I aid you in your navigation in any way? This grisly looking captain takes a look at you and, and your brother quizzically and says, Lads, whatever magic that you got that can help us, we'll need it all. And you see Shaquem going to the, the center of the bell ringer and delicately laying a hand on the, the center mast while going into a spell that you don't quite know, but uh, after he's done incantating, a thick soupy fog envelops the vessel as above rain, rain clouds start to, to overtake the ship, and you hear thunder in the distance as day turns to night in the pursuit of the bell ringer, trying to trying to escape into these storms. Uh, your little ship is just tossed about as you try and change course again and again in the darkness here, trying to keep up with the clockwise winds. You see your brother deep in thought. Um, and uh, you've seen him leave his body and perhaps weird into other animals nearby, a skill that uh, he says has been passed in your, your bloodline for some time. Back in the, the desert hideaway, uh, you've awoken days later and feel your bones and wounds mended, your splints replaced with simple bandages. And still at your side is your brother's mentor, Kaliam. He gives you a, a glass of crystal clear cold and sweet water and bids you drink it all. I'm a Magnamar trading vessel pulled you up in a sea net. Thought they had a dolphin at first in their mackerel catch, though you do not look like a fish. It's a wonder I survived at all. Uh, what? What is the date? Um, from... The, the last time you remember her on the ship, it, it seems like weeks have passed. Well, how came I to your uh, hospitality? Those who live on the coast know me as a healer. They saw but a broken boy, but I saw something to recount in your visage. That of your bloodline, that of your brother. My, my brother? Where is he? Where is he? he? He He must need my help. Your wounds have set and... You'll walk soon, but before then you will have to heal other wounds you might have received. Tell me what you remember, my child. Tell me what you remember of the storm. He reaches out a hand and touches your forehead, and as he does, you're transported back in time to the stormy deck of the bell ringer as chelish boots walk across the small transport vessel's deck. They're savagely attacking the sailors of the bell ringer. Some of the passengers who've 
brought up arms against them. You see your brother kind of steadying you to stay behind a few barrels as the ship is taken over completely. You see the writing on the bow of this uh, Cheliac's vessel. Uh, it says, the Infernus, as the, the rain beats against its its, uh, its bow. Uh, the, the captain seems to be dragged bodily through the melee around you by what looks like a dead woman the size of a lumberjack. And her presence is so disturbing. I need a young Kandoso make me a will save. <gasps> Technically, you're first in the campaign. Chronologically. First ever will save. Oh, I was about to say you can't scare me, but oh, you can. <laughs> Natural two. A young Kandoso has not seen anything like this before. You've seen death, perhaps, but never the bottom jaw torn off a corpse and its tongue hanging down lazily across its throat uh, as this creature seems to be bred for for taking ships. Um, the fight comes to an end very shortly and you, your brother, and the remaining crew that are alive here are, are tied up, bound, and some left bleeding into the deck. Uh, the enemy captain and officers board the bell ringer and then, curiously, two small creatures uh, come on board, each sporting black lace parasols, trying to keep the wind and, and rain off of their lily-white skin. Uh, they are two girls, one wearing a flowing obsidian dress, and the other a thicker and meaner-looking girl, a, a chelish a cadet's uniform. The young, prim and proper, raven-haired girl comes up to you and, and, and Shaquem. You can see it's a, a girl um, of your age. And she says, My name is Druvalia. Druvalia Thrun. What are your names? My name is Kendoso. And, and I am Shaquem. This is my friend Valeria. She doesn't speak much, but do you boys like to converse? I look sort of nervously up at my brother and then back at them and say, You mean... You mean speak? Yes. Yeah. We can we can speak. Talk. Yes. Talk talk words. That that is quite excellent to hear. I would like to talk to you both, and will tell my daddy that. Uh, at that moment, the barrel-chested chillish captain, uh, with black hair and, and red eyes, steps forward in front of the the prisoners here on the bell ringer eyeing you and your brother up and uh, calls out to his crew and says, Is their navigator still living? The marines bring forward the Osirian sailor you'd seen talking with the captain of the Bellringer, but his body is limp and has to be dragged before the, the captain of the Infernus. I, I thought I said keep their navigator alive. This entire day is now wasted. The captain looks over you and the other surviving crew and sighs and says, I'll kill them all. None must know we scout these waters. Uh, young Dravalia here runs up and says, oh, But, Daddy, you must not kill my new playmates. She tugs on his, her father's tailcoat and says, Oh, what's this now, Drove? You want to keep another pet? Do you remember what happened to the last one I gave you? Oh, I know, Daddy, but this time will be different. 
I will not forget to feed them this time. Uh, fine. He, he relinquishes, and you both are prodded forward, brought aboard the Infernus, as you hear the sickening sounds of crew being murdered behind you. Their throats slit, their chest run through with boarding pikes, and eventually the ship, the bell ringer, uh, sets into the, the storm uh, with with some holes in its side. It is gone forever before you are spoken to again here on the Infernus where you see large black wrought iron cages hanging over the main deck uh, with corpses inside. One of them, a small undead corpse. And as you get closer to it, you can tell it is not a, a halfling or a gnome, but a, a human boy of, of elvish heritage. Druvalia sidles up next to you here on the deck and says, Oh, that was just my previous pet. Don't mind him. His name was Kip Candoso. But I promise to be ever so good with you. I will feed you and comb your hair. Just don't make me cross like Kip did. Don't make me ever so cross as Kip did. What what did Kip do? The storm around you is, is worsening here, and she gets obviously the most macabre of uh, of uh, lightning and thunderclaps right on top of, of each other. And she says, Oh, you know. You know what they can do. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Infernus. <laughs> Uh, it is tossed around the roiling seas as bad as the, the bell ringer was, and uh, your brother kind of bids you try not to talk to this crazy girl as both of your hands are still locked up. And um, he, your brother goes up to the, the captain and says, I, I, ca- Captain, my, my name is Shakim, and if you're looking for a navigator, I, I can help you navigate. I, I have a keen understanding of these waters. I have... Well, I have powers that allow me to, to see through the storm. Uh, you see the captain kind of turn a, an evil and steely-looking red set of eyes, glowing red. It says, Oh, a sea witch are you then? I, I've studied some magics, sir. Where your brother stood, you see the captain moving with unnatural speed and violence as he is yoked up over the, the edge of the ship. The captain calls out and says, Then you will sail us out of this storm, or you shall die. Do you understand me, boy? Uh, your brother just nods his head as he is taken away, and you are left in the, uh, the cabin boy suite, which is like a broom closet, Candoso. And over the next few days are brought out uh, here on the Infernus uh, at the pleasure of... Miss Dravalia Thrun. Uh, sleep is nearly impossible as you are. Your cabin is close to the, the undead cages. They're, they're moaning throughout the night. Uh, kind of echoes throughout your quarters. Um, every once in a while, Shakim comes by and, and says a few words to you, uh, trying to calm you down, perhaps. But... Uh, as the days move on here, the storm does not abet. It seems to slowly grow, uh, or at least changes intensity from, from day to day. Uh, without a sun or stars, the, the chelish here are having a, a hard time managing to, to sail these these waves. And yeah, um, 
maybe later on in this week, it's it's a few times you've had tea time with Trevelia and her stalwart friend Valeria that uh, why, why don't you make me a knowledge nature check you're, you're kind of look, looking out the window nature is seven. Uh, 24 on that one. Oh my goodness uh, <laughs> you've been trying to figure out the, the route that the ship's been taking as you have it's been hard to tell but you've been able to tell the ship has been basically zigzagging back and forth and you realize you've you've not been moving away from the storm but dodging uh, squalls and, and spouts and moving n- northernly um, perhaps deeper into the storm and all of a sudden it hits you that you think your brother might be trying to lead the infernus and everyone on board into the heart of the eye of Abendigo. Surely the eye of the storm. Yeah, something that will kill everyone on board, including the both of you. Gandoso, you haven't finished your tea, nor have you touched your crumpet. What is the matter? I, I'm sorry, Truvalia. I am afraid the, the sea is disagreeing with me in my, my stomach. That, that's all. I'll, I'll, I'll try better. And I pick up the, the tea and I take a tentative sip. Do you want to try and talk your your brother out of it? Do you think you would join him on such a crazy mission? Um, uh, I think I would try to ask him uh, the next time I'm able to have a few words with mm-hmm. him alone um, what he's doing. But I think ultimately Candoso trusts uh, his brother um, and believes that his brother would not see any harm done to him but he, but he is curious about like, but what is big? What the plan is? Uh, I think Candoso assumes that this is part of some plan to make a big breakout, big big escape attempt or something. Uh, as you are after tea time, uh, brought back by a guard to the 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 cabin boy suite, uh, you catch a glimpse uh, up on the top deck of your your brother who is chained up behind the captain, who seems to be screaming at him, saying, Day after day of rain, the storm seemed to be following us every way we go. He picks up your brother and, and screams in his face, You wouldn't be lying to me, boy. You not do that when you and your brother's lives are at stake, right? Uh, through the sea spray, the rain, the darkness here, of the, the storm clouds uh, from the, the lower deck, uh, you you can see Shaquem's face formed perfectly up, and he gives you a a little head nod as as he sees you, maybe a wink, and then in a flash, mm-hmm. where your your brother once stood is a large tiger, <laughs> like on top of the captain, who screams, "It's a sea witch! Kill it!" But before he can, of course, there are claws and a jaw that has already latched on to the chelish man and a red, pinkish mist that has sprayed up from the deck. Uh, It is nearly impossible to see as the other officers quickly draw swords and start slashing and piercing this tiger's hide. And as you maybe slowly back away from the carnage, hearing the the calamity and the, the fight, Trevelia comes out and says, What is all the matter here, Daddy? What is going on? You bump into uh, 
uh, as you back away. Old Kip's cage. The corpse shuffles for for Drenda to grab at you. Um, and uh, Drevelia says, Can do so. You are certainly making me very cross. Get away from Kip. I told you not to go near him. I told you to finish your crumpet, and you didn't. You didn't, didn't, didn't. It is a, a gory scene on the top deck as the officers kind of clear ranks. You see two bodies lying on the ground there, but no longer a tiger, it seems here. Your brother has returned. You see them, the officers lifting him up uh, and throwing him into the the sea. And nothing kind of uh, sticks in your ears. It seems like all sensation has gone for a moment as you can still see the storm's winds rolling around the deck, the sea spray coming up over the sides of the Infernus, and perhaps feel in your chest the rolling thunder from a distance. But in a rush of emotions, there's a a bolt of lightning that comes out of the sky and and hits the Infernus' main mass and kind of lights the ship up like a Christmas tree. The electricity kind of courses down the timbers and rigging, splintering beams and, and snapping lines as it jumps into your body, but you're surprised as you are not hurt by this, but rather feel energized by the storm coursing through you. And from your fingertips, it shoots out in the form of a ball of electricity that is barreling towards a stunned-looking Drevalia. Shakim! <laughs> I thought you were, were going to say uh, Hadouken. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's all these emotions and energy that's coming forth that it, it happens automatically, but a second before it hits her, uh, the other girl, Valeria, pushes her out of the way and takes the brunt of this electrical attack uh, in her neck with some electrical painful uh, scarring there. The sea squall picks up around you as the ship goes over the next wave and the, the weakened lines up top begin snapping and a sail goes flying down, uh, lurching the ship forward on the diagonal. And the last thing you remember re- before being slammed onto the deck by a massive wave and, and thrown into the ocean uh, is perhaps the sight of uh, your brother's body in the, the water before you. Um, and that's yeah, the last thing you remember before waking up in Callium's care, where the old sage is done experiencing your tale, hearing through your memories, and begins to speak soft words of, of wisdom to you, and says, Gendoso, your brother chose the storm, but the storm seems to have chosen you. What, what does that mean? That is for you. To understand in time, I can teach you the ways of the path as as I taught your brother. The old ways, but whether you follow it is, is up to you. The storm called, like yourself, those who have met its energy are destined to meet, it is said. There is one, like you, who lives in Drenchport. He may continue and complete your studies in time. Who is this? Who must I find? Oh, that's the Master of Gales, of course. <laughs> <gasps> the Master of Gales. 
Does does Candosa know who that um, is? I don't think so, but yeah, after yeah, probably several not. years of, of druidic study, perhaps you you you've come to appreciate or or you maybe you hear in town stories of of the pirate who can control the storm yeah the storm caller who can control yeah. the waves. Um Callium continues and says, Yeah, your brother died amidst the sea, but I am sorry to report his soul has not found peace. I have tried to commune with him beyond the veil with no luck. If if you are able to find his body, to lay him to rest in the soil of his birth, his spirit will only then be able to ascend to the realm of the valley in the stream. It is very important that he do so. Do you understand? I do. I will find him, master. Jump cut to years later, we see an, an older Candoso emerging from the jungle preserve here in Ramadumi uh, and watches as the veil of invisibility kind of returns to the entrance and kind of looks like a, a mirage behind you as all you see is sand and stone of the desert. The the full-bodied and bearded Candoso seems ready to tackle the oceans of the shackles again uh, as perhaps learning as you go the way of of the shackled seas. And what better way than diving in to the deep end and finding passage in Port Peril, the pirate capital <laughs> of the world. And of course, that is a story for another day and basically the rest of the podcast as we've run out of time here tonight. Oh man, yeah. Where am I going to find a captain crazy enough to go into that storm? <laughs> oh, I think you know. Oh yeah. Jabert, I hope you don't feel like I somehow don't like Candoso as much as the other three characters on the show, <laughs> since this is very late coming. But I had these uh, some of these ideas and, and some of the things that you brought to the character creation process and wanted to do this forever. But, you know, times makes fools of us all. <laughs> yep, that's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate this. No, thank you uh, for playing with me and... Uh, listeners, thanks for for listening, uh, supporting us here on Patreon, and supporting all these characters. We we love, especially when you get to, to talk about them on the the uh, and Patreon Discord channel. <laughs> uh, so thanks for for all that, and thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back here with another, I guess you would call it regular episode uh, next time on Deadman Roll No Crits. Thanks, patrons. Uh, so long. Bye. Bye bye.